Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness! And Glenn, Glenn Quarterman. Wow-wee! A proud Victorian parked permanently in the west who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, it is unbelievable. We are heading into round 11. It is Thursday, the calm before the storm. I'm Mark Duffield. I have in the studio with me Glenn Quartermain and our great producer Shannon Bevan. This is the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, better your bet. Download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you run into any difficulties. Quarters, the big question is are you sticking to your guns? Are you tipping the Dockers to beat Melbourne? I feel a bit like uh, Ali V. Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle when he was just the rope a dope. He was on the he was on the ropes. He was on the ropes and he won, mate. I am sticking to my guns. I am putting my neck out there on the line. So I'll give him a tip now, Frio. Oh. They're due to lose Melbourne. The, the, yeah, they've been they've been in probably in third gear for two weeks. Just getting the job done, but you could argue they've been in third gear all year. But they will drop one at some stage. And my question is, why not on Saturday? Well, the answer is it's going to be wet, and we've seen Fremantle <laughs> play in the wet the last two weeks. We have, but if they address it and 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 play smarter football in the wet and get things together, they can win. Yes, and if your auntie had knackers, she'd be your uncle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uncle Bob was your auntie. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, I, I, I'm, it's not a stupid bet. That's all I'm going to say. No, it is a stupid bet. That's not to say it won't come true. Oh, well, it's not a stupid bet. Sorry, it's... Uh, Fortune favours the brave, Duff. I reckon you've made... It's raw courage. It is raw courage. This is what I'm displaying here. Yeah, sounds like more like raw cabbage to me. <laughs> you might give me a VC next week <laughs> when they get pumped by 100. Have you ever passed wind to have, having eaten raw cabbage? Uh, no comment. <laughs> It stinks. Okay. And your judgment on this one stinks, okay. I have well, to say. Well, have you got that, Shannon? <laughs> have you got that? But let's just replay that on Tuesday, shall we? Let's see how we go. All right. What's jumped off the page at you in the last couple of days? The last couple of days is North Melbourne. Yeah. Absolute disaster there at the moment. Um, three recruiting managers uh, leaving the camp a week before the mid-season draft and a lot of controversy swelling around Glenn Luff's departure. Glenn Luff, of course, who we knew and, and loved from his days at Champion Data, joined North Melbourne very much in a moneyball-type role, so looking at the statistical data on players as opposed to the uh, the, the raw footage and the live um, eyeballs on play, prospective recruits. Hasn't worked. There were some um, comments made by Kane Corns, our columnist at the Western Australian earlier in the week, and Glenn Luff has said that was the straw that broke the camel's back that set me off. Uh, and any, I implore anyone to read his column in tomorrow's West. I won't give it away, but there's some uh, there's the, the retort from Kane on the whole situation. I think it was uh, it's a debacle. Um, I didn't like it right from the day that David Noble apologised for spraying his players. 
Didn't like it. It's the tail wagging the dog. David should be in control of that situation. I haven't liked this latest scenario. And I hated yesterday when um, when the CEO, uh, the uh, footy boss, uh, Jade Rawlings, the CEO of Mafio, and the coach, David Noble, basically fronted... Brady Rawlings. Brady Rawlings, sorry. Yep. Not Jade. I said Jade. Brady Rawlings fronted a savage North Melbourne media department on the couch inside Arden Street. I didn't like it, Duff. It, it was amateur hour for me. Face the media. You uh, When you face the media and the questions from uh, learned journalists, you're speaking to your fans and your members. Uh, you don't hide behind the football club's media department. I thought it looked awful, and it was emblematic of where they're at right now. So give us your assessment of where they're at right now. Well, they're in no man's land. And... Recruiting-wise, you have a look at some of the... Let's look at some of the arguments from, from Kane Corns and others over the years. Um, Stevenson, uh, Bossa Nolovi, uh, Aidan Corr, uh, Callum Coleman-Jones, Jared Polak, Hugh Greenwood, right? Where are they going? Where are they taking the club? Maybe Callum... Is, is that that's a uh, a long straw for me? But the rest of them, where have they and where are they taking the club? So I'm going to cut them some slack on Basena Valagi. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a song from the fifties, doesn't it? Yeah. Blame, blame it on the Basena Valagi. Sounds like Sinatra should be having it walking along Copacabana Beach. Or something. Yeah. yeah. So I give him some time. I, I don't think he'll be a um, a best ten player, but he might be a good depth player. Callum Coleman Jones. I'm happy to give him some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Polak's a massive bust and was a really, really bad Why Hugh Greenwood? investment. Hugh Greenwood. Did Hugh Greenwood cost them much, though? So not really. I, look, I mounted the argument at the start of the year when I thought they'd go a lot better that he'll added some experience to that midfield. So I will, I will say I said that. But I'm not sure now, in hindsight, having a look at it, I'm just not sure if he adds anything to their list, even if he didn't cost them. I mean, I'm not sure. Is he taking up another spot from somebody? Isn't the big problem that they're playing too many kids with not enough big bodies. And one of the main reasons for that is, well, two of the main reasons, Robbie Tarrant left. Well, he was a big out. Hasn't played a lot at Richmond, to be fair, but he was a massive out for their back line. So Robbie Tarrant left and Ben Cunnington got testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. Well, they are too big. I mean, Ben Cunnington to me is their talisman Mm -hmm. and the others play around him. So he's a massive loss. He's a massive loss for any team, but he's a massive loss for a team that's got a lot of young midfielders still developing physically. And he's the big body. He's the guy that doesn't step out of the way. He's the guy that every game he plays in will win more contested possession than any other North Melbourne player. As we saw last last year over here when they beat the Eagles in the wet. Or in any game in Hobart. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, Look, I agree with you um, on that with those two players, but my point being your depth should be greater than that. Yeah, They've had I, a fair bit of time to get this right, mate. I know they have got a lot of youth on their list, but they've had a bit of time. I would urge North Melbourne just to... Chamomile tea, mm-hmm. lots of it. Sit down and do an audit on your list and do an audit at the top end of your list because the other end of your list can be fixed. So the top end of your list, they've got a good tall forward in Nick Larkey. They've got a good tall defender in Ben Mackay. Um, he's had some injury issues, but he goes okay. Um, he was certainly going okay against Fremantle over here until he hurt his knee. They've got, I think, four good young midfielders. So those are um, Jai Simpkin, I think is a very good player. I think LDU, Luke Davis-Uniak, is a very good player. I think that um, Taron Thomas. Thomas is a very good player. And Jason Horn francis what we've seen of him, he's going to be a very good player. So tick, 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 tick. Mm-hmm. All right, I think 
Cameron Zerha is a very good third forward. Uh, what do they need? They need a handful of good small pressure forwards because every good team has them now. They don't have them at the moment. I think they need more bounce from the back, so they need to find a good rebounding defender, maybe two, uh, to play around Luke McDonald. So they need some inside presence. And they could do with another big-bodied mid. And mm. I suspect one of the things they thought with Hugh Greenwood was, let's and maybe I, I can't remember the timing of Ben Cunnington's diagnosis with cancer um, and how that fitted into the Hugh Greenwood thing, but maybe they thought... Uh, ben Cunnington is going to need someone to help him out. And Hugh Greenwood's not going to cost much at all. So, therefore, let's go get him and let's get that big body into the midfield to provide some respite for our young players. I think there's a good midfield there in the making. They do have to move on from Todd Goldstein, who's been an exceptional ruckman in the AFL. And as good as he has been and as highly as he's been rated... Still going okay. He's he's still an underrated ruckman, Mm. I think. So, yeah, there are holes to fill, but I'm not sure there are as many holes to fill as they think. And provided they can create a bit of hope and a bit of belief, uh, which is hard to do from where they it's are. It's hard to do when you're six goals down every quarter time, yeah. which is what they are. But I didn't mind their, their effort. The game was, la- was good last week. Yeah, I didn't mind that. I think maybe the game plan simplified a little bit. Um, make it easier for the kids to make it more about pressure and make it more about the contest and worry less about the other stuff uh, a bit later on and make it more about defence. Do that for the rest of this year and then try and build on that into next well, year. Well, let's have a little little bit of a listen to the North uh, conference behind closed walls yesterday. Yes, Stace. Uh, seems we're getting quite a bit of attention lately. Um, which is good and bad, um, means that people care and people are passionate um, and that we're not irrelevant, as some media would have us have, have you believe. Um, look, it's, it's, never, it's never great to be in the media for the wrong reasons. Um, there's a lot of gossip um, that's being peddled, a lot of innuendo that gets peddled, and which is disappointing. Um, we know where we're at inside the club. We're united, we're tight. Um, the players are happy. The staff's happy. You know what it reminded me of, Duff? That was Ben Amafio, the CEO. You know what it reminded me of? This. Excuse me. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. Any opportunity to play some naked gun and Frank Driven when the rocket, the series of events uh, culminates in the rocket launches going into the fireworks shop, setting off every firework in history. Well, let's Very just funny. hope that's not prophetic and that there's a naked North Melbourne gun found in the town square on Thursday because that's, that's all I need. need exactly. That's all I need to top them off, really. <laughs> um, now, I, look, I just think, I, I suspect we'll see significant improvement from North Melbourne next year. And I think that, um, you know, don't panic. There are five, six or seven very good young players there. Now, if they all turn into A-graders, if they all become all that they can be, one, they're going to have a very strong midfield. Two, they're going to have a very good power defender, so they need to find one more. Three, they're going to have one very good power forward. They need to find one more. Cam Zerha has a very good third forward. And, And the rest of it, I think, is fixable and findable. Yeah. So So the question on that is why get get Will Powell at three when you could have had Logan McDonald? That's a good question. Because he is that forward and he looked – I mean, he's going to be a player. That's a bad list management decision. But don't forget, um, Fremantle made a very good draft choice when they took Adam Chera, but they still get questioned on it because people say, well, you know, he's always going to go home. Mm. Maybe – North Melbourne's view was that Logan McDonald was always going to go home. Mm. And that remains to be seen. You know, you go to a small Melbourne club, 
who's going to be on the bottom of the ladder for a couple of years and maybe you think, well, you know, yeah, we can get him, but can we keep him? Will Powell's a local bloke. He's a hardball winner. Um, he's probably the sort of player they need to step up and step up a little bit more quickly to fill the void that a player like Cunnington leaves because he's an inside ball. So. You know, with Sydney, it always intrigues me. Uh, unless they can, it's a salary cap issue and they can sort of afford to leave them, they're a little bit superfluous. They generally don't lose players they want to keep. No, they don't. Don't do they, Sydney? They're really well managed. They're a very good club. Mm. Yeah, they're a very good club. And and they look, they tend to not be out of finals for too long, which is one of the reasons why they don't lose players they want to keep because a they tend to be in the mix. A couple of other uh, issues before we get on to our tips, mate. Um, Fife imminent return. Does he come back straight into that Fremantle side for the game against Brisbane next week or does he play waffle? No, he comes straight back in for me. I, I think they're... They'd be doing a bit of stage management, I reckon, if they played him in the waffle. Why? I, I think he, because they've got a fit list. That they're not like West Coast last year, where West Coast were bringing three, four, five mm. undercooked players back in. Fremantle has got a very fit list. They've got a, a lot of players who've played a lot of footy. He will go into a team of players that have played a lot of footy, and he is their best player. Mm, I reckon a half in the waffle, given the very fact they have got a fit list. Uh, enables him to come in the week after. That's just my argument. You, you want him there for the remainder of the year. Look, if he's fit, he's fit and he plays. I get that argument. And for me, Fife just comes in and plays whatever role. But uh, so I, think, I, I, I wouldn't mind a half in the waffle. I don't know how the back surgery affected him. Um, what I did know, what I do know, is that I watched him run during the preseason and before the back problem, he was flying. So he'd had the shoulder surgery, he'd had the infection, he'd lost weight, he'd put it back on. He was going right over the top of the ground. And I was, I was thinking to myself at that stage, I got a bit excited about mm. what Nathan Fife might bring. And then he had the back set back. What that's done, I don't know. But I do know there were a lot of miles in the legs over the summer. Well, hopefully the shoulder should be right anyway, a little bit of extra time. What did you make of the two weeks for Switkowski and the subsequent comments from Longmuir on um, Sam Sturt? Yeah, so a couple of things. One is, we, we discussed Sam Swikowski the other mm. the other day, and I was kind of thinking, oh, he probably gets a week. Yeah, you know, I, you, I would have been comfortable with a week. You I were think, saying a week. I think two's overs. So I just line it up with Ryan Mansell. And and it was like, the verdict came down. I'm sitting at home, you know, and I was thinking, you know, do I write something on this or don't I? And then I hang on a minute. Two weeks ago... A bloke hits a bloke in the back of a the same of times, bloke, actually. Yeah. In the back of the head with a forearm while that player is vulnerable face down on the ground. It is no legitimate football function. It's just here's a chance to whack someone, I'm whacking him. He does it not once, but twice. He sparks a brawl because the Collingwood players look at it and go, that's a dog act. Mm. And they, the hard men like Taylor Adams and um, uh, Braden Maynard, and good on them, they ran to their players' defence and let uh, Mansell know in no uncertain terms they weren't copping that. He gets a week. One week. So what this tribunal is telling us is that Sam Switkowski stopping Ginevan from shrugging the tackle up by pinning the arms, and then while he's got him on the ground doing something naughty which is putting him in the half Nelson and driving the arm up. And then Collingwood players are around there. They see it. The umpire sees it. There's no free. There's no mm. remonstration. And he was all right too. He just got up, dusted it off, walked on. Didn't even didn't even say anything to Switkowski, really. Exactly. As, oh. as, as in contrast to after the Mansell incident, yeah. when he was dazed and rattled, went to the three-quarter time huddle, dazed and rattled. And the, the AFL tribunal is telling us 
that Mansell's is half as bad yeah. as Switkowski's. Mm. That's what they're telling us. Mm. Quarters, I need a translator, okay? Because, I often need one. Because the AFL, tri- the AFL tribunal that's telling me that, you know what language they're speaking? What language is it? Idiot. Okay. And I don't speak idiot. I speak don't English. No. I've seen you after a few drinks. I speak English. So I need a translator, someone who can speak fluent idiot to explain that to me. And that was the only time I got riled about it. I, I was sitting there thinking, oh, well, he you know, get a week for that maybe. Maybe get off with a fine if he gets a bit lucky. I thought he'd get a week at least, but no more. So if Mansell gets two and Switkowski gets one, I'm okay with that. Yeah. If Mansell gets one and Switkowski gets a fine, I'm okay with that. But I'm not going to sit here and so have a bunch of idiots somewhere else tell me that what Switkowski did was twice as bad as what Mansell did. Mm. Just not doing it. Mm. There, was a, there was a Rewalt sort of attempted trip that was overlooked at the weekend as well. Didn't even go to the MRO. And there was, uh, of course, in 2019, he did the same thing and, and got a fine. Well, not only that, what Jack Rewalt did to Bailey Fritch in 2019 mm. was just weird and creepy. Yeah. So the ball's right there and Jack pins his arm behind his back. He could get over the top of him to get the ball, but no, he just keeps trying to do this manoeuvre with the arm behind the back. The ball actually spills out. He hangs onto his arm, and after about five seconds, Dustin Martin comes along and picks up the loose ball and makes off with it. And the tribunal, when it was put to them that you know this was a comparable incident, they were arguing that, oh, no, no this is much worse than the real incident. Mm. Why? Yeah. You know, like Did they play some naked gun? Some Frank Drevin? Nothing, Nothing to, see to see here. Switkowski, Switkowski started off doing something legitimate in footy, which is making a tackle. We know that Ginevan shrugs tackles up because he's been doing it regularly. And if you watch the replay, he tries to do it to Switkowski. And Switkowski goes, no, nah, you're not doing it. Grabs the lower arm and pins it. Stops the shrug. Pings him. Probably could have got a free kick for holding the ball and then while he's got him in the ground that's when he does something wrong mm. so by all means find him for that and you know the other palaver that I just find just ridiculous he gets cited and sent straight to the tribunal for serious yeah. misconduct what for a tackle that he added some GST to this is serious misconduct now is it I think the chicken wing they don't like well depending on who it is, but the chicken wing is frowned upon. So, And I agree it's not a great look, That's, but I think it's a one at most, that, that incident. But, yeah, I, you've got to be consistent. Yeah, well, yeah, clearly. Stop speaking idiot. Mm, fair call. Now, Sturt, what does he have to do to get in? What is the what is it? What does Justin Longmuir mean when he says intensity? Well, clearly they trade very heavily on forward line tackle mm. pressure, and I would I would say that Sam Sturt isn't bringing enough of that. Mm. That's what I would say. And Nine now, goals the last three waffle games, so he's kicking goals. It's I can, just the, don't it's worry. the other way. He yeah. can kick a goal. Yeah. Um, look, if you go I'll go through the top end teams in the AFL at the moment, they all bring a lot of tackle pressure in the forward half, with the possible exception of Carlton who have Harry Mackay and Charlie Curnow, and they have you know, an all-star midfield. Mm. So they're a little bit different. They're a slightly different model at this stage, and I'll guarantee you they'll be war- working on the, the forward line tackle pressure. I would say I'm guessing that if Sam Sturt goes out this week and kicks one goal too but lays 10 tackles, he's probably more likely to play next week than if he goes out and kicks five goals and lays none. Yep. Gotcha. That's, what I, that, that's me taking an educated guess at this. But I would say that would be my educated guess. I think we all want to see him in that forward line, don't we? Well, I think he's a better player than four small forwards they've got at the moment. Yeah, yeah. 
Should we tip some winners and losers? Yes, why not? Well, you've... In your opinion, in my case. <laughs> Actually, I've changed my mind. You can't change your mind, no, Glenn. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So Friday night, Sydney v Richmond at the SCG. Is this a bit of a, uh, a line in the sand game for both teams in terms of where they can finish towards that top four this year? I reckon that every game that Richmond plays... Um, now is a bit of a litmus test for the Tigers because, yeah, they're stringing wins together. But, but who have they actually beat? Exactly. Have they had a really good and, win? Okay, here's another question. Sydney at the SCG this year have been gettable. Yep. So is this uh, the game? I mean, we really want to see them beat a Carlton, I guess, don't we, or a Melbourne? A dollar fifty-two the Swans, mm-hmm. two dollars fifty the Tigers. I reckon that's overs for the Tigers. Do you? Yeah, I'm going to actually tip Sydney here uh, at the SCG, going along okay. Um, Richmond going along beautifully, but I still have those question marks over them. Lynch out, I think this week. Yeah, he did a hammy. Yeah, yeah so, so that's going to hurt the big Tigers. out, big yeah. out for them. Yeah, you want your tall forward because the ground is so compressed. You almost eliminate centre half forward, so you want your tall forward there. So I think that will play well, into Sydney. Damien Drum didn't back in the day. The reserves coach at Sydney and Rodney E turns up for a game. There's no centre half forward, and he said, "What, what are you doing, Drummy?" He said, "Nah, not playing the centre half forward. It's, the ground doesn't dictate that we should play one." He said, "Damien." Please put a player at centre half forward. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Um, I reckon, uh, Rocket, oh, we love I reckon Rocket would have told you that too. Uh, oh, we love Drummy. He was a beauty. <laughs> uh, it's a bit sad to see Josh Kennedy too last week. Uh, likely, there's every possibility he won't play again this year. We might have seen the last of Josh Kennedy, and as much as it pains me that a Kennedy has gone on to be to excel at another club and be a premiership player. I love his career. I love the storyline to it. Moved away from Hawthorne. Achieved all he has. And if we have seen the last of him, Duff, one of the my f- more favourite players to watch over the last 10 years. Yeah, I agree. He stood up for Sydney uh, in the contest. He stood up for Sydney in big games. I remember his first half in the grand final. I think it was the grand final against the Western Bulldogs. They ended up losing. Yep. Josh Kennedy's first half in that game was something to behold. Mm. Um, a terrific player, terrific character. Um, I think if you were a dad, you'd probably like your daughter to come home with someone like Josh Kennedy, I reckon. Isn't it interesting that two Josh Kennedys, two absolute champions of the game are probably going to bow out at the end of the same season. Yeah, not probably. We'll bow out at the end of the same season. Will, yeah. Mm. Okay. So we're both on the Swans. We are. Brisbane versus GWS. Brisbane are $1.15. GWS are $5.40. Did you see anything about the Giants last week that indicates to you that they could give uh, Brisbane a run? You know what, Duff? No. Thank you. Uh, and also, no Whitfield, no Taranto this week, so um, not at all. And look, Brisbane coming off a loss to Hawthorne. It's down in Tassie, can be a bit of an outlier. Um, it's hard to win down there. And Hawthorne did play very well last week, but Brisbane, for me, still the second-best team in the competition ahead of Carlton. Yeah, Brisbane, for me, I think that's a glitch last week, and I think uh, it'll just make them angrier, which will make it worse for the GWS Giants, mm. I think. Don't forget GWS pipped Brisbane in a final at the Gabba, too. Brisbane, will re- they'll remember that. Um, no Mark McVeigh this week. One week into his caretaker role. Health it, and safety program. No, uh, birth of his third child. Oh, wow. So it, it won't be James Hurd. Uh, the Giants have been very So quick. health and wifety protocols. <laughs> health and wifety protocols. Uh, health That's and, good for your health, by the way, Shannon. Uh, happy wife, happy life. Third child, though. All the best with that, Mark. Um, 
The uh, so in will come. I think Dean Solomon will be uh, coaching. Yeah, uh, James Hearn. They've said he will not be. He's still very much part time. Okay, interesting that. So Dean Solomon has been a caretaker coach at Gold Coast before, of course. So um, certainly not a new thing for him. Did you see anything in their style of play that says they're going to be different under McVeigh? Oh, not yet. I didn't know. A few positional moves. We, oh, um, certainly Himmelberg was an interesting one. Yeah. But apart from that, I want a bigger sample size. Uh, I think this year, I don't mind the Himmelberg move. Um, you know, do a bit of that. Chuck them around a bit. Maybe play some of those midfielders we've been so critical of in, in not running the other way. Uh, challenge them in other roles. That's what I'd be doing for the rest of the year because they're not playing finals. Well, there's a little bit of that, wasn't there, with Himmelberg going to the back line. Mm. The Himmelberg manoeuvre. The Himmelberg. Let's hope it ends up better than the Hindenburg. (laughs) Or anything that requires the Heimlich manoeuvre. Exactly, yes. All right, uh, so we're both on Brisbane. Geelong versus Adelaide. Geelong are $1.08. Adelaide are $8. Is this at Alphabet Stadium? It's at the Alphabet Stadium. GMHBA. Correct. Uh, Look, Geelong to me... Uh, unconvincingly convincing, if you know what I mean. I still think that they, they're capable on their day. Um, I still think they'll just miss the eight, which people laughed at me at the start of the year. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are now saying, well, top bottom end of that eight probably. So I, I think they get this job done pretty easily. Adelaide have tapered right off. Um, interesting events at Geelong. Uh, I've got to use the headline. It's one of the greats. It's as good as Missy Higgins. Fatty Dangerfield. <laughs> so interesting again. Um, who was? What was the commentary? Was from? Was it from Kane Corns again? Who was it from? Yes, someone. Someone suggested just that, that it was Patty like, was playing. Uh, Playing a little overweight. Playing a little overweight. and um, He has been playing hurt. And the retort came, uh, oh, Wayne Carey said, uh, uh, that's ridiculous. And then Geelong came out and said, actually, he's going to do sort of like a mini pre-season just to lose a few kilos. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that more or less ratifies what, what the commentary was in the first place. Um, I think we all need to remember that the AFL is supposed to be the toughest sporting competition in Australia. And the scrutiny that comes with it is commensurate with that. So therefore, let's not be quite so precious. Um, You know, these guys are there because they're very good, because they've withstood a lot of tests. They've overcome a lot of challenges. I'm not sure that having a former player suggest that you're Three kilos overweight is going to be the be-all and end Interestingly, Chris Scott yesterday said, uh, look, there's actually a reason for it in that he has had injuries that have actually prevented him from training but not playing. And so that's why he is carrying a little bit, so we're just going to address that That's now. always the way. Yeah. Like when you see – and it's be the same thing with Elliot Yo, by the yeah. way. So Same thing with me over the last couple of years. It is, yeah. yes, yes. Funny, you've, you haven't put any weight on in your hands. No, I know. No, they're still very – yeah. Yeah, weight watchers there. All right, uh, we're both tipping G-Long. We are. Melbourne versus Fremantle. Now, contrary to Glenn's expert judgment, Melbourne are at $1.16 with Tab Touch. Fremantle are at $5.20. This is at the MCG quarters. Mount a case for the Dockers. Well, I'm mounting a case in that they've had two weeks of not getting it right in wet weather football. Now, there's going to be some rain, but not a downpour, I believe. So they can address it. So you address it by being smarter, having a... You know, kicking it long, kicking it long to contests in your forward line where they can get, you know, work the ball to ground. And your small forwards have to work smarter and harder at keeping it in there. Switkowski will be a big loss to them. But I actually do think they're a very good chance. Melbourne has 
been shifting through those lower gears, and I just reckon they're going to drop one duff. I really, really do. You know, the last two weeks, there's been a, a part, if you if you park the wet weather stuff aside, the two uh, common factors between Gold Coast and Collingwood was their pressure acts were the highest Fremantle that had faced the last two weeks. So they, they clearly thought if we, if we get in their faces, we get the pressure acts happening, they're going to be panicked into haphazard disposal. It worked, but let's see if they can't address that this week. I just reckon there are chances. I'm not saying they're a better side than Melbourne. I still have Melbourne as clear premiership favourites and, and then daylight second. I really believe that. But I reckon they're due for a loss and I'm going to back Freo to bounce back this week. So Glenn Quarterman following the even blind squirrels find acorns method for tipping this one. Um, I'm going to tip Melbourne. They are the best team in the competition. I don't buy... I, I read the story about pressure acts and Fremantle put them under pressure. Fremantle has been powerless inside attacking 50 and that's because they've been clueless in terms of how to get dangerous inside attacking 50. They had enough... in attacking 50 entries to not just beat Gold Coast but absolutely swamp them couldn't score they had enough attacking 50 entries to be very competitive against Collingwood they won contested possession clearly they couldn't score so they have to find a way to score to me they have to get focused on getting the ball to the grass the other side of the defenders get the defenders turn around running back towards their own defensive goal that's when you get them in trouble when the weather is wet um, the rest of Fremantle's game, I think it's okay. It's been okay until the last two weeks. But until I see them be able to score in wet weather, I ain't tipping them to beat Melbourne. So the demons for me. I like your squirrel metaphor. Can I tell you a quick squirrel story? Go, go on. And it's got nothing to do with Terry Wheeler. Squirrel grip? <laughs> no, it hasn't. I, I was in Hyde Park, London, and there was this famous guy called the Squirrel Man. And what he'd do is he'd soak these nuts. This is a true story. Don't laugh. Okay. In, in water well, overnight. Well, you want me to laugh at the end of it? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and anyway, this is a true story. So I went to watch this guy one morning, and literally there are hundreds of squirrels standing in front of this bloke because he's got these nuts he's handing out that have got... Anyway, so I think this is fascinating. In the middle of them, I kid you not, was one rat. One rat standing there. And I was losing it, looking at this rat, thinking, I think I got away with it. And they're looking at him going, hey, she's got a weird tail. It's not the right colour. What's going on with this bloke? Anyway, I just walked away thinking, I'll be telling that story again one day. And I have. Well done. Squirrel story from Hyde Park. Well played. He'd still be there, that Blake, still feeding them every day. Nothing to see here. Nothing Nothing to to see here. All right. Uh, West Coast versus the Western Bulldogs. The West Coast are at $5. The Bulldogs are at $1.08. Can you make a case for West Coast at home? You know what, Duff? No. Uh, Tim English returning to that Western Bulldogs side, which is great to see for the Western Bulldogs, and looks likely imminent to re-sign, I think, on a three-year deal with the Western Bulldogs. So bad luck for uh, the local teams that were pursuing him, but I think in three years' time it might be a different story. Uh, look, I can't mount a case for them. Um, I think Josh Kennedy might be back this week. We're not sure on Luke Shuey at the moment. Uh, I'd like to see him play because if he's in and out, it doesn't augur well for his future. Uh, I found it really interesting last week, um, Luke Beveridge's commentary on Aaron Norton and on Sam Collins' tactics against him. Now, the footage I've seen, I just can't see what Nothing Sam to co- see here? No, it's a bit of Frank Drevin. I just don't know what... So is his motivation there, Luke Beveridge, just to plant the seed of doubt in the umpire's mind. Absolutely. So it, I don't think it's going to work, Duff. I think it might work the opposite Go the other way. way. Well, because there was nothing to see, and there's been so much commentary over it uh, this week and footage from behind the goals and from uh, in front of the goals that 
clearly it's just, just nothing there. So I think it might backfire on Luke Beveridge this week. Having said that, ripping player Aaron Norton. Uh, love watching him go about his business. Get, he's getting better as a forward. Uh, so, look, midfield, this is going to be a, um, you know, the Eagles have got some holes there and particularly in the midfield. And they're playing against Mr. Midfield. So this could get ugly. Mr. Midfield, as in Marcus Bontempelli. And the rest of them. The, they are a bit of a midfield team, aren't well, they? Well, I think they're a midfield with a couple of players put around the midfield, mm. yeah. Like, I think the Western Bulldogs are an interesting list management proposal, aren't they, this year and uh, for the trade period? Because if you get the players right, I tend to think they go from being, you know, maybe bottom end of the eight team. Which, let, which let's face it. They were last year before they made the run in the finals. Mm. They were bottom end of the eight team um, to genuine flag contender. When they won the flag, they were sort of headed towards the bottom of the end of the eight, weren't they? Yeah, so I reckon you know one really good tall defender. Oh, they need a they need an intercept defender big time. And if Josh Bruce comes back and he's in good nick as the second tall forward, well, he is coming back, so yeah. he's going to be so important to them. Yeah. All right, so we're both on the dogs. I I reckon. The Eagles will be reasonably competitive in this one, but uh, I don't see them getting within five goals. All right, so Gold Coast versus Hawthorne. Gold Coast at $1.80. This will be at Metricon Stadium. Quarters is boys. The Hawks, $2.02, two, led by Jai Newcomb. Very good player. Very good player. Look, they, they, I love... You don't know what you're going to get with Hawthorne over four quarters. So I'm going to pick Gold Coast here. Um, it's out of Hawthorne's comfort zone. Sam Mitchell coaching really well. Um, Gold Coast going okay, Duff, this year. I was highly critical of them early in the year, but they've turned my thinking around a little bit because they haven't dropped off the edge of the cliff as they have in the past. They've been very competitive, if not won games. Um, Interesting in this week will be Mal Roses Jr. Now, he comes from the Suns Academy, played a couple of games in 2021, but he was due to play because he comes from their academy up there and the game, of course, being played in Darwin. Uh, he didn't get to play in front of friends and family and there's a lot of them there. So this weekend he gets to, which is a really good story in Sir Doug, Douglas Nichols' round. The other good story brewing but not confirmed is Sam Mitchell has had conversations with um, Cyril Rioli. If you'd had him with Morris, he probably would be, you know. Um, anyway. Walking on water. Exactly. But uh, so let's hope Cyril gets down there from the Tiwis and let's hope that there is a the hand of friendship uh, uh, accepted and uh, they can have some um, fruitful chats and we can see Cyril and his family back in that Hawthorne fold this week. Yep. I'm going to pick Gold Coast, but, you know, the thing with Hawthorne, maybe it's a bit of happiness insurance for me, Duff, because, um, you know, I think Hawthorne is more than capable of winning this game. Uh, forward line's looking pretty good. Uh, you know, just still a little bit one-paced in that midfield for mine. Yeah, and sorry, I think I might have said Metricon. This, of course, is in Darwin. You're right. Um, I'm going to tip Gold Coast. I think if Gold Coast is to make something of this season, it has to win games like this. Um, so I, I'm going to uh, stay with the Coasters for this one. All right, St Kilda versus North Melbourne. St Kilda six, North Melbourne $9. Let's hope that these kangaroos can give a yelp. Yeah, I'll have to pick St Kilda in this game. Can't possibly pick North Melbourne at the moment. But I would expect uh, some um, rebound from the from the Roosies. But as you said, they were, they were pretty good last week against Melbourne. But it's just that young group, four quarters. And St Kilda with Marshall and Ryder, I'm not picking against them again when there's a team alongside them or below them on the ladder. Just not going to do it. They're just play, playing really well as a partnership. Um, 
lot to like about where St Kilda's come this year, and I think they're playing finals. I don't think they're top four still, but um, can't see North winning this. No, I think St Kilda are playing finals, and I think North Melbourne will fight out the wooden spoon with West Coast. So uh, St Kilda very comfortably. Collingwood versus Carlton, the old enemies. Yeah, great. Carlton, $1.57. Collingwood, $2.40. Collingwood back off the, the boil-over win against Fremantle, played in heavy conditions. Does that become a factor in this, the, the trans-Nullabor travel and playing in the bog. Yeah, I think it does, but uh, so I'm going to pick Carlton. I probably would have picked Carlton anyway. I'm fascinated by this game at the G early Sunday afternoon. Uh, Carlton very much up and about, and Collingwood with a lot of hope hanging around that club. Crowd could be really good here, Duff. We could be seeing 80,000 here on Sunday. There's been Crowds have been down. There's been a lot of uh, commentary about that. 30,000 average. Now, 30,000 down on average? No, they're, they're average 30,000 crowds, but they're definitely significantly down. Uh, I think the lowest crowds averages since about 1996. Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of them are COVID impacted, yeah. but there's a lot of uh, suggestions that it's got to do with the mucking around with the rules, etc., etc. Having said that... Uh, that's rubbish, isn't it? Um, I think there's a bit of a mixture of everything. I mean, a lot of the rule changes I really like, as you know, but I think there's been a lot of change to the game. I think mostly it is COVID impacted, and I think crowds will will be back there when you know when things have settled down a bit. What fascinates me about it, this game is that, but also you're, you're looking at the team that sort of plays a bit of a Michael Voss brand. They're the best team at the moment at slipping and shrugging tackles, Carlton. I reckon playing against the team that probably loves tackling more than any other team at the moment. So that'll fascinate me to see how whether the Collingwood tackles stick and whether Collingwood will Voss, Carlton Vosslight be able to slip through them. I think Carlton with this one on form and on structure, um, I think when you when you can have a player like Sam Walsh slide out to a wing, it shows you how settled your midfield is. So a lot to like about them. Yeah, I like the Blues. I like the way they're developing and still improving as well. So mm. I think they'll win this. I think that the trip back from Perth after a hard game uh, played in very heavy conditions, I think that'll take its toll on the Pies. And uh, I think Carlton wins this. If they're, uh, if they're th- a sniff at half time. Uh, Carlton, because the way they play footy, which is a real frenzied style of footy, yeah, that's why they're, they're tiring out in that second half. We nearly see, nearly let it slip last weekend. So if they're within a sniff at half time, Collingwood will really fancy themselves. Yeah, and I do think the the stuff about the crowds is rubbish. I think if you look for the most obvious answer, a lot of older people aren't going. They're not going out because they're, they're worried about getting COVID. A lot of people have changed their habits over the last couple of years because they learned, oh, it's actually okay to sit in your lounge room mm. and have three or four Coronas and go to your own toilet and choose your company. Good for the and, broadcasters. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I just think there's been a bit of a switch. That'll take time to write itself, but I think it will write itself eventually. Um, it might be two, three or even four years before they really come back, but I think we'll gradually see crowds come back. Yeah. It's a great game. Why wouldn't you? We've There's also nothing pl- like the live version. We're also playing a lot of games at not big drawing venues. You know, so we've had a couple in Ballarat. There's been a couple down in Tasmania already. There's been one in Hobart, and no one's going to these games. Mm. You know, they're, they're drawing four, five, six thousand. Yeah. So let's face it. It's we're not in terms of. The, it's important we take the game to these places, but it's not helping the overall. And I, think, I know people think we're. I'm, I'm picking on North Melbourne, but their crowds have been really bad. Yeah, well, what was it, thirteen thousand mm. last week? That's not good for no. to, to play Melbourne. No, who are up and about. It does fascinate me how Melbourne people, like not just Melbourne supporters, but Melbourne people generally, cannot 
find their way from the MCG to Dockland Stadium. Mm. Guys, honestly, if that's an IQ test, it doesn't bode well for your city. Especially Richmond couldn't do it. Melbourne couldn't do it. Um, and yeah, anyone travelling from Western Australia or anywhere to Victoria this weekend, I urge you, if you're not going to the MCG to watch Carlton Collingwood, just go to the game afterwards and just watch the crowds disperse. You will get a great outline of the human condition. <laughs> There's nothing like Carlton and Collingwood supporters at the end of a game just watching the body language. It's my, great. My suggestion is flee the immediate area as quickly as you can. <laughs> All right, the last game, Port Adelaide versus Essendon. Port Adelaide are $1.13 with Tab Tush and Essendon are $6. Do you give the Bombrays a chance? Uh, no, I don't. Not at Adelaide Oval. Port, um, you know, a little disappointing last weekend, but um, I think... Against Essendon at the moment, they are a rabble. Uh, they are missing players. They've got to get their list right. I think it, now it's sort of queuing the racks time and think about next year, clearly. Uh, Port under Hinkley, I think they're, they're still looking like they can steal a spot there in the bottom end of the eight, so they're going to keep that momentum going. Um, I, I see no real issues with Port at the moment. I think they're going to win more than they lose. Yeah, I'm tipping Port. I think they'll go all right. I think Essendon is the most disappointing team of the season. Yeah, for sure. After and you would have had to be stupid to pick them in the top four. Now it's time for <laughs> this. Hey, hey. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel and thank you to Gage Roads Alby Draft. We're giving away a carton every week. When you thank you for a lot of and again a lot of emails. Um, uh, this week and uh, sorry we can't read them all out please when you send them in keep them short and please let us know whether you're from western australia or not as we can only give you the carton if you're from western australia now duff the first couple are very similar in theme and they have backed you to the tilt with your commentary on uh player welfare and what should happen um Post football. First one from Matthew Chambers. G'day, Duff and Quarters. In regard to Tuesday's discussion on the financial well being of AFL players, Duff, to a large extent, I agree with your view, but the unique position with AFL players is from the get go. Everything is done for these young men who are at the top of their football game. This is the environment they exist in. Most would have not seen the type of money they earn, and they earn a large paycheck at a young age. It's too late to educate them post career. This is the point. Best wishes to you both. Congrats on the success of the pod. Uh, from Matt from Hamilton Hill. Duff was absolutely spot on with regards to Nick Rewalt. Sam Fisher wasn't a young player thrown on the scrap heap after one season. He was in the system for 12 years and was paid handsomely, sorry, handsomely for his services. A lot of doors get open for these players and if they're unable to take advantage of their privileged existence, then that's on them and them alone. It's interesting reading Rewalt's comments again after the news has come out that the club tried to prevent Sam from attending an end-of-season trip to Vegas due to his rehab, only to get it overruled by the playing group. I wonder if, I wonder if Nick was one of those players. And finally... Uh, from Mitch from Perth Fellas couldn't agree with Duff Moore and his opinion on Sam Fisher he's an adult he knew what he was doing you make your bed you lie in it it's his own fault he didn't set himself up for live post football um, second I've just read that Waffle Footy is returning to the Wacker this weekend awesome news what's your favourite memory of Wacker Footy I do recall one match free OV Geelong from memory where the Dockers kicked 12-22 to defeat the Cats so it seems our goal kicking has been crap for many years not just recently quarters I'm a glass half full kind of guy but no chance that Frio is beating Melbourne this week <laughs> My favourite uh, Wacker memory, well, there's a couple, actually, and I've got one from each club. 
Um, I think Fremantle beat Melbourne at the MC at uh, the at the MCG. Yeah. <coughs> You've got in my head now <laughs> with that nonsense. Fremantle beat Melbourne at the Wacker, and I think Winnie Abrahams took a screamer in the goal square and kicked a magnificent running goal. I, I remember that game quite vividly. And I also remember the game where the Bulldogs kicked nine goals to zip against West Coast in the first mm. quarter and West Coast were in front at halftime. Yep. And that game went down to the wire. Absolute crackerjack of a game. I remember Craig the Craig Devonport game. Did he kick five? Similar thing. Kick yep. five Similar. in the first quarter or the yep. first half for St Kilda and they overran them. Um, Troy Eugle, who'd played on Devonport early, I think bobbed up at the other end and kicked five or six for yeah, he did. West Coast. A couple of things, re the whacker, um, and it's East Fremantle Subiaco this weekend. And uh, so get along if you can support Waffle Footy. Uh, East Frio playing there for a couple of years while Shark Parks gets renovated. Um, I used to love watching footy at the Wacker. It was a Friday night. Um, I don't know. It had something about it that I really enjoyed. But my favourite memory from the Wacker, I was a cub reporter working for the Geelong Advertiser. They were playing the Eagles. So I flew over to Perth. They put me up at the Hyatt. And they were playing on a Sunday. So on the Saturday, I had nothing to do. So I thought I'd wander down to after the train, Geelong training, I wandered down to the Wacker, see what's going on. There was a waffle game on. South Fremantle was playing, I think it was East Perth, and Morris Rioli was running around. And I and I because he came back and played. For yeah, and I remember yeah. thinking, well, geez, I wandered into a bit of luck here. So spent the afternoon having a look at some magic. I did. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's a great venue, the Wacker. Um, probably not suitable for big ticket. Um, events anymore, but certainly um, a, a, a venue that has a lot of history, and I think it's got a lot to offer. I agree. Where the waffles they've shaved be. about twenty meters off. Is that right? Off either end? No, they have to add. No, oh, sorry, meters. sorry. They've add, yeah, shaved off the uh, grandstand area, yeah, so they've added right. length to the ground, so yeah. to make it uh, compatible. It was a great it. ground, you know. It was a similar dimensions to the MCG. Mm. And it was a really good ground. Speaking, while we were on the waffle, um, our colleagues at the Southwest Times took me a little literally the other day when I said that one of the solutions for West Coast could be a team in Bunbury. There's in the been waffle. some stories written on it. Yeah, except, you... except they they said that Mark Duffield has said the Bunbury Football Club should team with... Oh. Now, there are three clubs in Bunbury. And I hasten to add, I need to get this right because... I didn't play for the Bunbury Football Club. I played for the South Bunbury Football Club. And the South Bunbury Football Club hates the Bunbury Football Club and the Kerry Park Football Club. You're saying it should be a Bunbury team. Bunbury as in the the city, not as in the So what's the nightclub? Was your go-to nightclub there? Superflyers nightclub. Elbert Road, Bunbury. So you won't be going to Superfly. Unless you get this right, you won't be welcome back to Superfly. Well, there is no Superflyers What is it now? Um, Well, I think it's... It was in the middle of an industrial area. Mm. There was a car wreckers yard out the back. Nothing of can go wrong. Um, yeah, there were some interesting times out at Superflies. Let's just say that. Let's move on. Uh, from Bryn Wilkes, Duff, from Cardiff. So our international base just grows and grows and grows. I'm a lifelong rugby fan, union fan. Comes with the territory of being Welsh. And I love hearing you speak so positively about dissent. But I have to respectfully suggest that you may not have watched much international rugby lately. The days of the referee's decision being sacrosanct are unfortunately long gone. And if a player got pinged for raising their hands, then there would be complete bemusement. I've done quite a bit of rugby refereeing and community refs are usually stricter than the ones you see on TV. That being said, it's much harder harder to penalise dissent in a local game when the stars of the game are seen waving their arms about and appealing at every breakdown. Therefore, I'm with you boys that the AFL are doing the right
right thing by clamping down on it at the elite level. Sure, let's iron out the inconsistencies, but don't back down now. Oh, and I'm nowhere near being from WA for the slab of beer, as I grew up in... Oh, Worcester Monarch. I've had a good crack at that. Very difficult to pronounce Welsh names. Good luck pronouncing that one. Thanks very much, Bryn. Had a couple of good nights in Wales when, when I was over there. Um, I tell you what, I've never been colder. My favourite play in high school was Under Milkwood by Dylan Thomas. There you go. Famous Welshman. Nice part of the world, Snowdonia, beautiful part of the world. Bleak but beautiful. Bleak but beautiful. A bit bit like some of the Yorkshire area. Okay, from Sam King. G'day, greetings, Duff and Quarters. Like this one, what are your thoughts on putting a cap on the maximum number of years allowed on AFL player contracts, e.g. a maximum five years? Provides plenty of time for teams to get the most out of players. Long-term contracts can cause future headaches for team managers, such as Grundy's contract currently being discussed. Shorter contracts encourages teams to build long-term success and team culture in order to keep or encourage future signings. I don't mind that. Mm. You know, West Coast basically had an unofficial rule. It was a Trevor Nisbet rule. You don't go longer. I think it's five years. I think it was Nizzy got burnt a bit. When the Dockers came in, West Coast signed a a heap of long-term contracts to try and prevent Fremantle from poaching their players. And all of those contracts blew up in their face. I think Sumich got one. Jason Ball got one. Carl Langdon might have got one, I think. And and basically, Summer played his best footy before Freo entered the competition. Jason Ball probably frustrated himself as much as the club and then went on to play better football once he was traded to Sydney after that. And, of course, Carl broke down with the foot problem. Um, there was a couple of others. None of those contracts really worked foot out. Foot and mouth, it was. Foot and mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Carl. <laughs> Love you, Bori. Um so basically, after that, West Coast shied away from long-term deals. Funnily enough, they went back to them a little bit in more recent seasons with the Andrew Gaff deal and also with the Jeremy McGovern deal. Now, the Jeremy McGovern deal looks like it'll be okay. The Andrew Gaff deal, not so good. I don't, I don't mind the cap on five years, actually. Uh, from Jack from Up, hi, Duff and Quarters. Our priority picks a flawed system. Clubs that are given priority picks have had access to plenty of good draft picks. Um, while they've been bad. They've either picked poorly or failed to develop their players. Would a small bump to the club's soft cap for a one- to three-year period provided by the AFL be a better leg up? Gives a chance to improve a whole list instead of one good player. I actually don't mind that one either. That's a brilliant email. That is a brilliant email. Like, there's a couple of things at play here is how good you're recruiting, how good your list management, how good your player development. One of the things that Fremantle did... And people forget, Fremantle actually did a really good mini-rebuild between 28 and 2010. And they went from being just missing the, the 8 in 27, or 2007, to back in the 8, playing finals and winning a final in 2010. One of the things they did is they, they increased their footy department spend. They went from 14th in spending to 4th, and they spended really heavily on development coaches. Like they bought in three or four really good ones, Simon Lloyd being the best, but I think um, Stephen Grace, I think from memory, was another really good one they bought in and a couple of others. And that accelerated their player development, accelerated their player improvement, accelerated their team bonding because what development coaches do really well is bring young players together. They came through together, and that's a really, really good call. Mm. Really good call. Is he a local? He is, mate. He is, yeah, from Bibber Lake. Clubhouse leader. Uh, actually, he is from, yeah, uh, no, he's from... Anyway, we're working out. He is a local, yes. Uh, from Marie O'Reilly. Hi, Duffin Quarters. Who do you think West Coast will select in the mid-season draft? And what are your thoughts on Jai Cully from Dandenong Stingrays as West Coast first pick? Do they go um, Florenka 
do they go? Does Bailey Rogers get a nod? Um, there's a kid at uh, Peel. D- is it Dirk? Dirk Wayne Dirksen's like a. Uh, he's a sort of like mid one nineties sort of forward. Plays a bit in the ruck, but I think at AFL level he would have to be a forward. Uh, do they need that? I suspect they need speed through the midfield. I think if I'm West Coast, that's what I'm looking for. Whether you get that out of the waffle, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm a massive Bailey Rogers fan. I think he's a very complete player. Kicks both feet, uses the ball well. He's a good runner. He's not necessarily overly explosive, but he's a really good runner. He's got a good tank. Can play back, can play mid, can play forward. Um, if you wanted someone who's going to help you play a little bit better this year, Bailey Rogers would be a good get. If you're trying to pluck one like a diamond from the rough, if you like, I reckon they'll be looking east at a player who might have slipped through the the draft over there because of the the COVID disruptions. I'll tell you one that uh, I'll tell you one. There's a few clubs lining up for is a former Brisbane player, Connor Ballenden. Connor Ballenden, yeah, so he's a ruck forward big guy. Yeah, yeah I had a look guy. at some footage the other day. I think uh, a team I might like might be looking at him, but uh, he's a really likely type. I think he might end up somewhere as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, Duff, um, we should wind it up there. Sorry for all the emails I couldn't read out, but please keep them coming. You will get your chance. I think we go to Jack from Cajun Up this week for that fantastic email about the uh, uh, priority access to draft picks. Do you agree? Yeah, I love that. I love that. So and please send your details to this address and any mail you've got coming to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. And Jack, I'll meet you at the Arthur River turn off, and we'll drink that uh, that that carton of LB draft. That's a that's a good halfway point between Darkin and Koji, I reckon. What is it, the Arthur Actually, River turn? Arthur River turn. Maybe Beaufort River. I'll I'll go as far as Beaufort River for you, Jack. There you go. Lost on me. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. If you uh, those with the touch. You can better your bet and download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulty. Get it done for me, Frio, please. All right. <laughs> Great methodology. Blind squirrels do find acorns occasionally. <laughs> Hopefully, quarters is right. No one will be happier to be wrong than me on that tip. We'll be back on Tuesday to run the ruler over the round. And unfortunately, I think I might be wiping the egg off quarters of face. We'll see. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.